How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Dead Jester Productions podcast, episode number 193. I'm your host, Josh, or J. Moskers, joined by a special guest this week, Wellington, host of the Superpower Playbook podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So excited. Yeah, appreciate you coming on, taking the time. Uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about your show, what you do over there, what you got going on? Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, I'm the host of the Superpower Playbook. It's essentially a um, it's a guide, you know, to empower creatives in unsupportive environments to chase their dreams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mostly coming from a place of myself doubting kind of what I wanted to do and realizing that there was a lot of people that were in that same position and kind of didn't know how to go about it. So, my hope with the show is, you know, we get uh, interviews with people that are doing stuff, uh, designers, uh, software developers, um, apparel designers, fashion designers, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And also solo interview, solo episodes where I talk about specific things like imposter syndrome, uh, confidence, sharing your work, getting mm-hmm. paid, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a topic that comes up somewhat frequently on our show, just based on the the guests we have on is like personal growth and uh, transitioning from like the high school, college aged kid that isn't exactly sure what to do or where to go and transitioning mm-hmm. from that into like an actual, not necessarily entrepreneur, but someone who has their career path figured out and, you know, has their life in order and uh, it's come up more frequently as of late than uh than it had been previously but it's definitely something we touch on a lot here because it's you know a lot of it is based on my personal experiences as well as the experience of the guests who more often than not are entrepreneurs in whatever field it is that they're a part of uh, so it's it's i find it very interesting to to hear mm. the different stories of one just like how people break out into uh like particular fields but then also how they make something of themselves uh coming from not necessarily nothing, but, you know, just starting out with nothing uh, in their career choice and, and making it. So that's always, it's always fascinating. Um, yeah. It's always interesting. I, that's one thing that I love about uh, the interviews that I do is you get to see like the, the nuts and bolts, the mm-hmm. ups and downs of where they started, which was oftentimes, for example, one of the, one of my favorite interviews was with Vanessa. She's, um, she started out as a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. She went to law nice. school. She did all of these things. She worked with her father, who was also a lawyer. Um, and then she quit it to be a children's book illustrator. Nice. And it's like, what? Law, law to, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's always interesting. Yeah, it, we talked about a little bit on our last episode, actually, about doing what makes you happy, not what's safe, secure, and profitable, necessarily. Mm. Uh like I said, from my, my personal experience has been, you know, getting a very cushioned job, making good money, very low risk, and then realizing I was just completely miserable there <laughs> and uh, taking, a, taking a risk and going somewhere else where, you know, making less money there. So having to make up that money on the, the side and then realizing it's a, a little bit better at least. But I've always viewed everything as like, stepping stones from one thing to the next working towards the final goal which is like self-employment and being my own boss so to speak 
which I think ideally that's what everyone wants, right? Is not having to have a boss looking down over them all the time, you know, being able mm-hmm. to set their own hours and whatnot. But I mean, to be fair, some people do like having like that, uh, uh, regimented sort of schedule because it helps helps them organize everything and they know like all right well this is you know nine to five like this is where i'm at this is what i'm doing it's comforting mm. knowing that that's not changing and they don't have to worry about you know things switching up on them out of out of nowhere so i mean I yeah guess- yeah i think i think people have i used to really be against the whole nine to five like i i, I mm. value my freedom i value yeah. that control over what I do, how I do it. Mm-hmm. And I used to have kind of like a, I used to almost look down on people like that. But I, <laughs> as I've kind of matured, I've like, oh, okay, certain people just enjoy that structure, that security. Yeah. And sometimes I think they just work better that way, you know, mm. and it's not a, a bad or a good thing, I guess, you know, it's just different temperaments, different styles of people. So, yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I work remotely a lot. So it's, it, it I've really, during when like the COVID lockdowns is when I first started working remotely for my job at the time of that job. And uh, I was like, holy crap, I am so much more productive. Like, I don't have people here <laughs> talking to me, like distracting me, asking me questions and whatnot. I, I just, I'm in the office here, put all my notifications on mute. I could just focus on what it is I'm trying to do. And it was so much more productive without all the added distractions. And uh, I, I know like a lot of businesses realized, oh, we are, we don't need to have an office. We don't need to pay for all the utilities and the office space and everything like that. Mm-hmm. We can just pay the employees, you know, their cost, cut back on all the extra expenses and they're, you know, they have a better work ethic at home. And then mm-hmm. obviously there's going to be some people that work from home that are slacking off because there's no oversight whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you know, it, there's never a, a perfect scenario there's always going to be a wrench in there somewhere but yeah when i realized like oh working from home is so much more it's just so much better for me in particular uh i was like all right well this is this is what we're going for this is what we're striving for now you know i i mm-hmm. i thought like at least i never i never planned on having dead jester productions be big enough to the point where we had like an actual office and like a bunch of employees or anything uh but i obviously I have goals of growing it as a brand. Um, but I, I always assumed at some point, like my, even when I would be self-employed, uh, I would still be in an office or something. Right. But now I'm like, mm. Oh, no way. There's no chance. <laughs> like I have no interest in wasting money, renting out, you know, commercial space and going back to an office. Mm-hmm. And I th- I, that's one thing that I, I mean, obviously COVID was like crazy, terrible, mm-hmm. For a lot of people but i think it finally gave people that moment to actually question a lot of things that they're doing both yeah. like internally and also like how, how are we doing business why mm-hmm. why do we need to do it this way because back then there was no no way we'd be able to do remote work like mm-hmm. this and it'd be respectable or you know looked at as a, a plausible thing and now um everything has been shaken up and yeah. people are realizing one also like work-wise we don't need to do it like this but also the different ways that you can make a living mm-hmm. and it's empowered so many people and it's it's so exciting to see some of the things that have cropped up now because of this and 
yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I like the direction that we're going. Yeah. I think a lot of it was people didn't, it was a lot of people just kind of stuck in a rut, stuck in their ways of, well, of course you go into work in an office or, you know, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. You, you go to work. And then I think a lot of businesses were just so used to that as well. They, you know, in particular, a lot of them owned like the, the company I worked for at the time, they owned the building that we worked in. So mm-hmm. for them, it's like, well, of course we want people to come in the office. And so once mm-hmm. COVID hit and we we're all working remotely, they really struggled to justify keeping that building. And mm-hmm. uh, eventually after, I think it was uh, November of 2020 is when they started having everybody go back to the office. And that was a huge part of my mindset of, all right, well, I don't really like doing this. <laughs> I liked it a lot more when I was at home making, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I made about just as much money at home, even when I got furloughed doing freelance stuff. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. turns out, <laughs> turns out I, I don't need this as much as I thought I did. But yeah, I think, yep. I think that's the problem a lot of businesses are facing with remote work now is they can't justify maintaining the cost of their buildings that they own and having all their employees be working at home. Like nobody wants to have a pay, be paying for an office that's completely empty. Yeah. So I get it from a business standpoint, why they want people to come in and work just to justify that. But at the same time, it's like, maybe it's a good time to move on, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to hold on to that dead end. But, uh, yeah. The, go ahead. No, no, go, go. Oh, no, no, I was actually going to switch topic a little bit. So if you had something to say, I would. Um, I was just going to ask you. I was okay. curious because I remember when I made that mental switch mm-hmm. of like, um, of realizing that I was just going through the motions with mm-hmm. with school and with the direction that I was going with. It was a bit of like, kind of like an anger a little bit. Like, how yeah. could I, I was really just doing this? I really let myself get this lost in it and i'm i'm wondering if that was any way similar to your experience when you realized wait a minute i can i don't need to do this i can actually go in this direction instead uh i wouldn't say it was anger or anything like that i like i'm 29 now i was 28 when i made the decision to leave that place um it was just i was honestly it was mainly just boredom i was i felt Mm -hmm. like i was really wasting my time i was like i'm gonna be 30 in a couple years like a year and a half roughly and I was like, all right, well, I don't want to be 30 here just making money for somebody else. Like it, it was so frustrating, especially I worked on commission. So like I'm yeah. literally just making money for somebody else and then getting a cut of it. Uh, so I was, I was just sitting there like every day I would go in, sit down, open up my, you know, my physical folder with all my, my papers in it, keeping my notes and everything like that organized. And I was like, this is like something you'd see in a movie about a depressed person <laughs> that eventually goes on to like some grand adventure. I'm like, this is how it always starts is them sitting there miserable doing the same thing, same routine every day, every day. I'm like, this is awful. Like I, I can't do this. And it wasn't a job that I was super passionate about to be given with even. Uh, it was just something new at the time. And I was like, all right, this is, this is not working out, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there was definitely a catalyst that really set it off after we got back to the office um, where I was like, all right, I'm kind of being cheated out of this a little bit, but I didn't mm-hmm. hold that against him in my final decision. I was just kind of like, I was leaning in, a, I was on the fence leaning one way thinking, all right, I might be doing this. And then I just got that little nudge. And I was like, all right, here we go. 
and yeah. you know left amicably you know we still talk to some of the people there every once in a while um mm-hmm. and you know my my previous boss i contact her for for stuff sometimes to reach out uh for work purposes and whatever we get along fine sure. but there's no chance i'd ever go back to the not not that business particular, but just that setting, like that style of work, and just not for me. Yeah. Um, and like I said, where I'm at now, uh, I I knew going into it, I was like, I'm going to give it a year. I'm going to use the experience to add to my resume, put myself up a little bit more. And so my plan, obviously, then is uh, I'll probably get one more job working fully remote for whatever company I end up at, and then from there is the next step is self employment fully, because mm. it's just. I don't like doing a bunch of work for other people so that they can make money while I get a yep. small portion of it. It just doesn't make sense to me. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, like I said, I, the main thing was just, I didn't like, I, I, it's not that I need change all the time, but I don't like doing the exact same thing. Day mm-hmm. day. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need a wild change every day where I have no idea what I'm stepping into, but <laughs> having a set routine where just I can tell you my entire day a week in advance, like that's, that's miserable to me, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it it is what it is. I think a lot of people are, wouldn't do what I did because they're worried about taking the risk. They're worried about like, they're scared of like the change maybe. Yeah. I don't blame them. I took a 50% pay cut going where I went. Most people would call that crazy. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll work my way around it. You know, I'll keep freelancing and doing all sorts of extra work on the side to make up for it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm willing to put in the work. But I get it when people give me a hard time about it. They're like, it seems like a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I worked hard. I mean, I already got a raise and extra bonuses and stuff. So I don't, I didn't. It didn't hit my wallet too much at all. So that was good. Yeah. But did you say you were in the process of like considering something like that or you had been in previously and made? Yeah. So I'm, I'm still, I'm still in school, but it's been, and it's, it's, it's that thing of like, you're reaching the end of your journey and you Mm -hmm. need to, you know, leave the nest and all of those, all that good stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's obviously weighing heavy on my mind. I'm doing computer science, right? So Uh Everybody thinks when they hear computer science, they're, oh, so impressive. <laughs> so much money. I, I went to school science. briefly for computer science. So I will yeah. give you my tail See, on that after yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there's that, um, that, there's that idea that, you know, you're going down this path, you're going to be sorted for life and, you know, you're, you're done. And now I'm like, I don't see myself in a server room i don't see myself uh coding forever like maybe mm-hmm. maybe ux ui maybe but mm-hmm. not really that's not the thing that calls to me so now it's uh i think like covid was kind of like trying to reconcile that thing of okay i'm probably going to forfeit this uh handsome check that i'm guaranteed if i go down this path mm-hmm. and now figuring out what to do instead mm-hmm. and will i be okay with that and i think i'm i will be you know, yeah. because like money is not the biggest thing for me. And I think it's probably the same for you. It's like control, that creative freedom, that doing yeah. the thing at least makes you mildly happy rather than I'm going to jump out the window tomorrow yeah. evening. Yeah, it sucks because so, I worked on the first floor too. So it wouldn't even hurt me. There's no escape. <laughs> <laughs> you see? So yeah, that's that's kind of where I am. I'm trying to now set up 
myself mm-hmm. um that i'm you know i, I land safely even yeah. if it's slightly you know not as cushy but you know yeah no i get it yeah i, I want i wanted, wanted to ask you too since you're you're in school then is like i don't i my experience was i took uh summer classes beforehand i went to two different universities taking summer courses and then mm-hmm. i ended up at a, a completely different university and i went to school i I signed up for computer science and I hated it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is, I can't do this it's coding and stuff like, which is ironic. Cause I still do. I do actually like coding a little bit like website design mm. coding uh, now for my job. And I hate it. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have to do it very often. Uh, yeah. I, let me refer. I don't hate, I don't hate doing it. I just, I don't have a lot of experience with the coding side of it. And I'm like, I don't want to yep. learn because I, I really don't want to be the guy that knows the website coding and then people ask him to do it all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd yeah, be a yeah. nightmare. Like I, ugh. <laughs> but uh, it was going to like, when I went to school, figured out very quickly that wasn't what I wanted. And I feel like, I don't want to say everybody, but like I feel like a good portion of people would say, oh, this isn't for me. I'll just change my major and, you know, and keep going here and just seeing it through and seeing what works. But for mm-hmm. me, I'm like, I'm just leaving. Right. I, yeah. I didn't even bother finishing out the semester I was in. I was like, I'm leaving, getting a job. I'm going to work. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wondering if you had experience with like changing and changing your path in, in school or, you know, like figuring it out while you were there, even about like how that affected yeah. your, uh, your mindset of school. in general. So, Ah, okay. Um, I think we have different school systems. For context, I'm studying in Namibia. That's in Africa, just above South Africa. Mm -hmm. So this particular school, uh, we don't have that level of like flexibility of, you know. So when you are down, uh, if you're taking a certain course, Mm -hmm. you you know, it's it's just that. Um, So... COVID happened when I was in my third year. It's it's a four year course. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my third year ish, and I'm I'm. I was in too deep. I was in too deep, and the idea of persuading my uh, parents to pay for a ne- another, you know, mm. several years when they were they're uh, on they're trying to retire yeah. uh, as soon as possible. So. Uh, they, I knew that that conversation was not going to go down. I, <laughs> I tried it. And I just like, mm, this is not, this is not going to work. And it, 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 it bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, so ever since then, whenever people talk to me about what they're doing, I always tell them, listen, if you don't like it, go now, change, change now. You're in, mm-hmm. you're, you've just started change immediately. Trust me. It's, it's fine. If you wait too long, it's going to, um, it's going to be much harder. Um, because yeah, it's just, it's, it's very difficult. And also to justify to them, uh, that I'm changing, I'm, I'm leaving computer science, this thing that they have, uh, kind of shown off to their friends and family. Oh my gosh, our son is doing computer science. Wow, computer science, that's so cool. <laughs> so it's like there's a lot of um there's a there's a lot of that their own feelings kind of tied into my mm. success, you know. Yeah. So I never I, I I I toyed around with it, the idea of like, okay, how do I persuade them? 
um, and I came to the decision that it's probably not going to work. So instead, either I'm just going to do my own kind of like soft learning on things that I enjoy and mm-hmm. things that I'm going to be using. So um, around that time during uh, COVID, during the lockdown, we I started doing social media, social media marketing, social media managing, and all of this is like self-taught. Um, and you're starting to get more into that and, and see, oh, wow, I can make money without going to school for the thing that I'm yeah. making the money with. Awesome. And yeah, so it's it's the staying in the course and not moving hasn't really changed my mindset. It's just that, you know, I can I can do whatever I want, really. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I hope I've answered your question. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, like you said, I, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Like when I finished high school, I realistically, it seems like a very strange thing. You know, you take, you're asking kids when they're, you know, just like on the cusp of becoming adults, like what's your plan for your entire life? (laughs) Like they're worried about like getting, you know, like a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. They're worried about being popular, you know, how they look, you know, and you're asking them their plan for the rest of their life. It seems Mm kind of ridiculous just mm-hmm. you know from that perspective um but you know at the time i was like i, I don't know like i i i think i feel the same now as i did then in the sense of like i really enjoy doing like creative things you know as far as like writing art uh like film like production side of stuff um yeah. but i didn't know how to funnel that into something and one of the schools i was looking at was an art institute uh, university it was two years and i was gonna go for like graphic design of some sort i forget what the courses were they actually offered mm-hmm. um, but i know like it was a two-year school and then they have a lot of connect like the, a lot of their students would go on to work for like disney or wow. uh you know pixar whatever like animation studios all sorts of stuff like that yeah and i was like this is awesome this is definitely what i want to do and my parents talked to me about it they said no it's too expensive don't do this mm-hmm. and i was upset mm-hmm. but it, whatever and uh eventually they convinced me to do computer science and uh i hated it and uh <laughs> so like i said i got out of there while i could paid it off as quickly as i could because i did not want to have a student loan payment hanging out and yeah uh, yeah i've kind of like slowly been working my way back towards that to an extent uh I, like I said, I worked in sales previously, which is the mm. furthest you can get from creative design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a little like a science more than anything. It's just like, get your sales pitch down and that's it. There's nothing creative mm-hmm. about it. Whereas now it's like, I, I'm, you know, managing social media, creating content for businesses and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, video editing, audio editing, all that sort of stuff. And behind the scenes sort of, website design work like it's much closer to what i actually had in mind and uh, mm-hmm. yeah just working my way back to that from where i was in high school i'm like all right we kind of hit the same place in the end but really roundabout mm-hmm. way of getting there <laughs> yeah it took a long way <laughs> and you know what that's the thing is that i there's there's so many of us um because i 100 percent relate to you like there's so many things that i do and that i did Mm-hmm. Um, I would 
whenever there was, you know, some kind of like assembly or or a thing at at school, I'd always be there. I'm always on stage. I'm always performing. I'm always emceeing something. Mm. Um, I did a magic show once. I don't even know what was, what, what possessed me that day, <laughs> but I said, yeah, let me do a magic show. Um, I do music. I do a lot of these yeah. things, but it's all just like hobbies and passions and stuff like that. That's seemingly all over the place. Mm-hmm. And you know, you kind of like now you're telling now you're telling me I need to pick one thing. Yeah. One thing at 17 years old or 16 or whatever, however old you are, like, you know, you you put it right. Like, I'm I'm trying to get a girlfriend right now, man. I'm trying to, you know, like, don't tell me about my, the rest of my life um, and building a future. It's like, Um, the rest of my life is until I hit like 20, right? Like, that's that's where it ends. (laughs) Is there more past that point? After that, you're basically dead. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, eight bones and 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 dust at that point. Yeah. So it's like you 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 kind of don't know, and I think not many schools do a really good job on on teasing out people's gifts and talents and stuff like that mm-hmm. to find things that actually work for them and are more focused on like you know get a job that pays well, you live and work until you retire, and mm-hmm. then you're you're good. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. You yeah. Know? It- for us we had like it's not like clearly outlined even but when i was in high school they had like a college prep course and uh i forget what they called the other one like a work life course or something i, f- I forget how what they actually called it, but essentially it was pe- prepping people to go to college university and prepping other people to like join the workforce right away after yeah. school and mm. there was virtually no distinction between the two <laughs> like the people in college prep i guess just took some higher level like math and science classes or whatever while the work life Mm -hmm. uh, people took like the wood shop like woodworking or metalworking classes or whatever yeah Uh, but it's all you know you just pick whatever classes you want anyway to an extent so it I don't know. It all meshed together. It didn't seem like it made a difference. And it seemed like no matter what, they were just, all the classes were just designed to meet a quota of having you take enough classes. And that was it. They didn't care. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't blame the teachers or the, you know, the school itself. I think it's more of the state deciding that than anything. Yeah. But yeah, like looking back, I'm like, it did not really prepare us for life in general. No, you know, the state, they, the school system more or less wants to create workers. They want yeah. jobs, they want accountants, and all that stuff. So their priority is very much on like, we need practical doctors, lawyers, accountants. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think that's where they're struggling in a lot of places. And it's nice that they had that, uh, what is it, career placement, college placement mm-hmm. course. But the amount of energy that they put into it, I don't think was proportional to what they were actually trying to get done. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear my dog running back. My girlfriend just left. So he's like <laughs> sprinting back and forth, whining up a storm. He's the biggest baby ever. But yeah, it, it's it. like it, part of it, I think, is I had two points to make and I was arguing with myself in my mind there for a minute. The Part of it is like the way the funding works. They have like the no child left behind policy. So... Mm-hmm. It, it's almost backwards the way funding works because the better your graduation rate, the more funding you get. But those schools yeah. are the ones that don't need the money as much, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The school that has a lower graduation rate is clearly the one that needs more funding to help kids mm-hmm. graduate more, but it, they get less funding. 
it's the whole thing is completely backwards. It's very strange. So a lot of schools are just pushing kids through that uh, have not successfully graduated, like passed. Like mm-hmm. they're struggling, mm-hmm. but they're mm-hmm. you know the mindset is well we need the money. So congratulations, you yeah. you graduated. Uh, the other thing too is like not being taught actual life skills. You know, when I was yeah. in middle school, we had, uh, I think we called it humanities at the time. I don't remember where it was like, it was split into two semesters. One was like cooking where we made like brownies and cookies, I think. And then they taught us like how to set a table properly and like proper manners while eating. <laughs> uh, and then the other half was like sewing. And I was like, this is not really like life skills realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you would think they'd have, I mean, we had an, I, in high school, we had an elective class, which was accounting, which most students don't end up taking, but I was in it. And that taught us like how to balance a checkbook essentially. But even that is more addition and subtraction than anything else. Right. You would, uh, it surprised me that we don't have more classes in school that are showing like a life skills class where it's like, here's how to like follow your taxes. Here's how to. Yeah create a resume, apply for a job. Mm. Here's how mm. to, you know, interview for something or, you know, whatever else you can think of that's actually important in life. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no, I mean, at least in my, maybe there's some in other schools in other states or something. I have no idea, but no one I've ever talked to has said they have a class like that that teaches you actual life skills, which is probably why we go into the world so unprepared for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, that would be amazing if they had such classes because like that's the big thing okay when 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 you really think about it if we're all graduating from the same school mm-hmm. kind of learned the same thing like we, what's gonna stand us up yeah. out from the next person or this person right we need like learning how to prepare a resume a cv a interview all of these things and we have no no clue mm-hmm. Even, uh, what is it? I mean, maybe this is too advanced for schools, but like, you know, even like signing contracts, right? Like, am I getting screwed over here? Like, are they, are they, am I selling my soul to these, this company? I think, I, I, down- I think it would be important in high school. I mean, just think of like going to college, like you're signing contracts, essentially. You're signing oh, off on loans, yeah. you know, like it's important yeah. to understand what it is you're doing. We're telling kids, Hey, uh, take out a loan for I'll make it like $70,000. Of course, <laughs> you're going to go to school. You need $70,000. Ask them for a loan. And then, like, how many kids do you think go into that? Like, all right, I'm just signing this paper that lets me go to school. They don't realize mm-hmm. what they've done. They don't realize that there's interest on that. So they're paying a lot mm-hmm. more than that money. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. I, I wanted to ask you uh, before I completely switch off the topic. Uh, if you had, if they had, like, graduation specific things you had to do to graduate. So I'll give an example. In my school, we had to sit down in front of two teachers and present like our uh like what our plans are after school like in my case i said uh yeah i'm gonna go and i'm gonna work in graphic design and i explain like yeah i'm gonna i'm looking at doing uh you know animation maybe or like logos for businesses like just anything in graphic design and it's i forget exactly how the whole thing worked out because it's been quite some time it's been uh, 10 or 11 years since I graduated. But mm-hmm. yeah, we, we just sit there and tell them about what we want to do. And they ask us, they would ask us questions about it. Uh, and it takes maybe 30 minutes if I remember correctly. But yeah, yeah, we, that was like a mandatory thing where you have to do that. Like every student has to, you get assigned to like a pair of teachers and they, uh, 
Mm. Just interview you essentially for what your future plans are. It was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had, I, this is the first time I'm hearing about oh, anything okay. like that. It was just do the grades, do the grades thing. Are the grades good? Yeah. All right. Get out of here. Yeah. It was, I, the school I went to in, I, I switched schools from middle school to high school in middle school. Uh, I didn't have to do it obviously. Cause I didn't, I wasn't there, but I w- I experienced what the seniors had to do in the sense of they would take the, the kids that were about to graduate would come and present their future plans, but in front of the middle school students. So like they had, I think three students maybe came in uh, to our class and our class would sit there and listen to them talk about what their plans were essentially. Mm, mm, mm. And that's what they presented. And then the teacher would be in the back, like, I guess grading them on it. I don't know. Uh, But it was also very strange. (laughs) Like, <laughs> it sounds strange. That seems really unfair to like students that are interested in various non-social jobs as well. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I want to be someone that doesn't have to talk to people because I'm paranoid about talking to people. Oh, good. <laughs> All right, go present that idea to the class. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> well, playing yeah. to certain people's strengths and not others is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it does seem like there's no care given to what their actual skill set is or like what their passions are. It's just tell people what you want to do so we can hit our quota so you can get out of here and we can funnel mm-hmm. in the next group of kids. Mm-hmm. I also think I, they might also be doing that for like maybe testimonials or like putting in the magazine or the whatever, whatever in their marketing, I'm sure. I have no idea. They love that. Yeah. I, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. It is strange. Like I said, it, it's weird how the whole thing worked. I was fortunate in that, like, I, I took elective classes. I worked it down in, like, the wood shop and the metalworking shops because I thought it would be something fun to do as opposed to taking extra. I I had so many extra credits from tr- when I transferred from my school to the, my middle school to the high school. Uh, I had already yeah. taken, like, advanced math classes at my middle school. So I got credits for those going to high school. So I went into it with, like, four extra like two or two and a half or three extra credits and so like i ended up having like three semesters where i didn't have three or four semesters where i didn't have to do anything at all uh as far as like (laughs) math and like science so i spent like i'll do something completely different went down did like woodworking metalworking and it was interesting it's not something i'd want to do all the time like for a job uh but yeah it's something i like it was nice. Like I'm handy now. Like if there's a problem around the house, I can fix it. Uh, probably because of those classes, and probably because growing up, I lived on like what used to be a farm, and uh, had to be handy there too. But yeah, when I when I had to do my presentation on like my career path, the two people I ended up being assigned to, the two teachers, were the metal and woodworking teachers. So wow. I was like, oh, perfect. You guys know all about what it is I'm interested in. I'll just come down. We'll just chat for a couple minutes and then I'll go back to class. <laughs> it was yeah. You lucked out on that one. I did. Yeah. Before we, before we continue, uh, we do have a couple of ad reads here. We'll, uh, we'll knock out real quick. This episode is brought to you by Zencaster and Liquid IV. So start with Liquid IV. Uh, everyone that listens to the show consistently and goes on Twitch, talks to me on the daily, <laughs> probably knows that I, I drink liquid IV literally every single day. Uh, I work out every single morning when I get up. Uh, I want to stay hydrated, but water gets a little bland at times. So I, you know, 
was introduced to liquid IV and they have uh, sugar and sugar-free variants. I went with sugar-free. I don't like having all the extra sugar. Uh, they added a bunch of flavors. They have white peach, green grape, and lemon lime. And every single day I'm drinking my liquid IV after my workout, helps hydrate me, adds some flavor to it. And uh, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, one of the uh, the things I like about it is one that it adds the flavor to the water, but the fact that it's sugar-free is, is super beneficial. Uh, one stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. There's no artificial sweeteners and zero sugar with the proprietary amino acid allulose blend for a sweet taste without the calories or raised blood glucose levels you get from sugar. Contains eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness with three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks. Uh, they partner with leading organizations to fund and foster innovative solutions that help communities protect both their water and their futures. So they're helping the world, making it healthier. Uh, oh, to date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus count, uh, countries around the world. So there's, you're staying hydrated and you're helping other people around the world using their product. Uh, you can get 20% off when you grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free or any other variant at liquidiv.com. That's liquidiv.com. News code DJP15. That's DJP15 at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code DJP15 at liquidiv.com. Cannot thank them enough for sponsoring the episode. This episode is also brought to you by Zencaster. So we've been using Zencaster for every single episode of this podcast for I don't even know how long at this point. Uh, Zencaster makes it so unbelievably easy to create podcasts. I just send out, I log in on my end, create the, uh, just type in the thing, create episode recording and send out a link. All the guest has to do is click on the link, enter display name. We're good to go. It is the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. Like I said, we use it for every single episode. Can't recommend enough. Can't recommend their uh, customer support enough. They're absolutely fantastic. They get back to me super quickly if I ever have a question about anything. And they are fantastic. Uh, it's so easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser. You start recording a high-quality podcast right away. You record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Uh, Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. So if you're getting a little bit of like robotic sounds, if it's, you know, popping in out just a little bit, you don't need to worry because when you download the audio file and go to edit it, it's crystal clear and it makes it super easy and convenient to edit. Uh, if you've ever thought about podcasting before and realized that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and all the other major destinations, hosting platforms. You can go to Zencaster.com. It's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com slash pricing. Zencaster.com slash pricing. And use code DJP15. DJP15. And you'll actually get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. Uh, if you want to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting content needs, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing. Use code DJP15. It's time to share your story. So thank you to Zencaster for sponsoring the episode. So thank you for uh, for both of them for for sponsoring the episode. They are uh, both fantastic products. I use them, consi- I mean, using Liquid IV every day. 
Zencaster. I use every podcast recording up uh, for every episode. It's it's just so convenient. Zencaster. I can't recommend them enough. It is the easiest thing in the world. Like I said, you just send out the link. The guest just clicks on it, enters the display name. And that's all they have to do. It makes it so convenient for them. There's no confusion like other platforms where you have to invite them. They get the code. They have to set do all the settings and just. It's just so straightforward. It's so nice. They don't have to do anything on there. No one else has to download their audio files and send it over local recordings, skipping all of it. So check them out. And uh, back to our regularly scheduled programming. What's my LinkedIn? No, uh, no 10 to 15 minute ad reads here. Like we were talking about before the show about <laughs> so the shows I listen to where 20, 25% of the show, if not more is them doing the ad reads, hoping to strain out as much uh Showtime as possible. Uh, one of the things I want to ask you is what made you get started with uh, with your show? Like how did you, uh, what was the mm. step that just made you decide, okay, I'm going for it? Yeah, I think kind of like I mentioned before, it was um, when everything is slowed down uh, during lockdown. Okay. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine. His name is David. I can, I, I'll never forget this conversation because I was in the kitchen. I was minding my own business, just cooking. And he came over and we just started talking about life. And we started to explore the fact like we are, we're, we're doing this thing, this school thing. And at least for us, right, we're doing computer science. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't necessarily need to go to school for a lot of the stuff that we're doing, right? Web mm-hmm. design. I think you said you're doing, you're, you're designing websites here and there and, you you know you didn't even you know what i mean so everything i do now i didn't go to school for <laughs> exactly so we were like we we were just going over the fact that like we we can do kind of what we want mm-hmm. and it really got me thinking about all the people also through the conversations that i was having with people that there's there's people who um really want to do things but are scared because either it's not safe or it's new, it's different. You don't know if people laugh at you or whatever. And I kept having these similar conversations with people, people close to me. I'd ask random people, okay, not random people, but yeah. people that I'd uh, bump into and we know we're getting to know each other. I'd throw that in, like, what are you studying? What are you doing? They'll tell me what they're studying. And I ask them, is that is that what you want? And they'll be yeah. like, no, what do you actually want? And it'll be this <laughs> wildly interesting thing that you would not expect. Mm-hmm. It started to bug me. And I said, I, I started to feel like I need to, to do something about this. One, for myself, mm-hmm. because I felt, I, in a way, this show is almost like a love letter to younger me uh, to teach him and tell him all the things that I wish I knew. Yeah. Um, and also to other people who are kind of struggling through the very, very same things that I was struggling through um, to be like, okay, it can be done this is what I need to do. That's like through learning um, from the guests that I bring on and also the more like granular step-by-step stuff that I do on my single episodes. Mm. Um, and yeah, so my my hope, like I said, is just to change, make one person feel like they can do that crazy thing that they actually want to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was kind of what it was that uh, sparked. The choice for what to do though was very much dependent on the skills that I had at the time. Mm. For the longest time, people would tell me, oh my gosh, Wellington, you have, you know, you have voice for radio. You know, you should be a voice actor. You should be all these things. And I was like, I, ah, come on. Partially because I was kind of 
I was kind of vexed, like voice for radio sounds like an insult. <laughs> oh, like what are you saying? I, I look bad on TV. Like what I are you trying to the say? The bitter insult is like telling someone they have a face for radio. Yeah. <laughs> so at least I was like, okay, cool. I get it. It's a compliment. But for the longest time, I um, avoided that uh, mm -hmm. podcasting specifically. But throughout my years, I dabbled in so many. I had a YouTube channel during lockdown with a bunch of our friends um, just for fun. And we did a bunch of content. So I've been making content for a while. Mm -hmm. But when it finally came down to like, what should I do? I was like, you know what? Let me lean into my strengths. Let me stop fighting it. Let me let me actually go in and see what this is going to look like. So that was the thing that pushed me to say, okay, I'm going to the medium I'm going to use is podcasting. Um, and here we are. Here we are. Yeah, it it is interesting, like the way the internet has changed the way people view education. It is if you're interested in like learning how to do something now, you can go on YouTube and there's going to be a hundred tutorials on it. Mm -hmm. Right. So like mm -hmm. if I wanted to get started in, you know, woodworking or something, I can go on there. There's gonna be so many videos and like, here's how to like get started. Here's how you do this. This it's like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, there are some things I still use YouTube for to like learn how to do stuff for my actual job, you know, mm -hmm. somewhat regularly. Cause it's like, all right, I don't know how to code this. Or like chat GPT, like the way AI is working. Like you can use chat GPT to write code for websites. And I do that because I don't know how to write code for websites for real. <laughs> but like, and just, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that's the, the, the thing that's crazy is even while one of the things we discussed was like so many of our lectures, I won't mm -hmm. call out names, but certain of certain <laughs> members of staff uh, are just straight up reading from a book. Yeah. And so what's the difference between, you know, me and, and they're not really adding anything. The book already is confusing to someone who's learning this for the first time. Mm -hmm. So you just, you know, reciting from this thing. It's, it's, it's difficult. So we end up maybe 50, 60% of our learning happens on YouTube already, mm -hmm. you know. So if I'm already here, I'm paying all of this stuff and I'm learning all of this stuff on YouTube as is, why do I need to be here yeah. to do it when I can just go out there? Of course, if you're a doctor, yeah, mm -hmm. please go to school. Uh, we need you to know, don't, don't do YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be great. <laughs> if you're a lawyer, please. Um, but, you know, like a lot of these other things, you know, the things that you're doing and I'm doing production, a lot of the performative tasks, I guess, you know, where you know, even sales, like... Mm -hmm. You know, like you can learn so much online on YouTube or even from other people that yeah. you don't necessarily need from uh, a school. The thing about sales in particular is being able to connect with people, though. Like I, mm -hmm. it, it, that's a specific skill that you can't just do online necessarily. Mm, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because like for coding, for example, I don't have to interact with anybody. If, I, if I'm able to physically do the coding or figure out the answer, it's fine. It works. But in sales, it's like, you're convincing someone of something to like buy something. And mm -hmm. I mean, even if sale, you're doing sales over the phone, email, whatever, like it's still you having to transform the language to convince them to do it. I mean, in my case, mm -hmm. I was doing a sales in person. So like I'm sitting down across from site. I have to, it takes a number of skills. I have to have the confidence to go in there. I have to be able to talk to the person I have to be able to quickly react to whatever questions or objections they're throwing up, uh, you know, and just be able to react to that in a way that 
helps continue with the sale. You know, it it's a specific skill set. Going back to what you said about like people, like professors or teachers or anybody just reading out of a book, I think being able to actually teach someone something is a very specific skill as well. Anybody can read a, like an instructional book, uh, but I think the skill itself lies in being able to transform the message in the book and applying it to every single student in a way that they understand it. I think that's what the actual mm-hmm. skill set lies in in teaching. Um, I also think being able to hire the right people for the job is a very difficult skill set that not everyone has. Uh, mm-hmm. I can say that from experience as well with the people that I've worked with that have done hiring or people that have hired me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, I, it, it's very specific skills that I think people either don't realize are, are skills or realize like how much actually goes into it. Cause there's a lot of teachers out there or professors who aren't very good at the teaching side of it, but they're very intelligent people. Right. Yeah. Like there are, I'm sure there's a ton of professors like I'll use like astronomy, for example. It's something I have no understanding of like teaching wise, but mm-hmm. like there are people out there like that could that are very intelligent. They could tell you every single star in the sky and what it is, everything about it. Uh, and so because of that, you know, they could be hired as like a, a lecturer at a university. Mm-hmm. But just because they know everything about the subject doesn't mean they're able to say it in a way that makes sense to people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the disconnect comes from at some points. Like we just, there are a lot of people where they're getting hired based on their intellect, not because of their ability to convey the message, which isn't to say that they're, like I said, it's not saying they're not smart. It's just you're not utilizing their skill set properly. There's a lot, you know, it's better to have them in a position where they can just go work and figure all the information out and then have somebody else convey the message. You know, there's a lot of teachers Mm -hmm. I I had in school where very clearly they knew what they were talking about, but they were not able to make the correct words to explain it properly to the class. Mm -hmm. And that was a problem at times. (laughs) 100%. It's funny you even bring this up because I think just two days ago I was so doing this show, obviously, because mm-hmm. there's no school for it, um, you're more or less learning on, the, and I think in life in general, right? You're always going to be learning new yeah. things on the go, just little little things to make it maybe one, two percent better. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was looking at is how to teach. Because like it is a lot of the content that I'm w- putting out and wanted to put out is educational mm-hmm. in nature. Uh, so being a good teacher is like you said, it's a, it's a whole other set of skills. And I think every, a good teacher is a performer. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, you're not always going to be talking about the most exciting eye catching, ear catching uh, topics. Sometimes it's yeah, going to be dry, sure. boring calculus, but you still mm-hmm. need to be as a teacher. The, the, the point is to deliver information to the, the student for them to be able to understand. So you have to somehow find a way to make that, uh understandable and also people are not falling asleep yeah um it's not just knowing the thing like you said so yeah it's it's a whole skill set that i don't know if people really teach in i've I've never taken like an education like a course to be a yeah i don't know whatever right i, I have no idea but hopefully 
they have an acting class in there or some speech class or something like that. Sales also, you can read as many sales books as you want. You can know the product in, out and all that. But if you don't know how to connect emotionally to what the needs are and figure things out on the fly based off of maybe the client's objections or their specific needs, you you'll struggle. I'll yeah. give you an example okay. of like, do you, do you play D and D? Uh, we are sort of getting into it. We, we actually got Baldur's Gate 3, which is the video game one. Oh, yeah, yeah, We yeah, have yeah, 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 Bunkers yeah. and Badasses, which is Borderlands, but D&D, okay. essentially. Um, mm, we've, mm, I've, mm. We've da- I've dabbled the tiniest bit. My girlfriend and I are slowly working our way into it. Yeah, okay. If you, if you, ever, uh, if you ever need a player or a DM, holla at me. Okay. I've been a forever DM for the longest time. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy. Like, I don't know how to... I wish I could really translate this onto a, a CV or a resume, but the mm-hmm. skills you learn from being a dungeon master <laughs> is crazy. For context, D&D is like a role-playing, uh, fantasy role-playing storytelling game, mm-hmm. right? Players sit around a table. We kind of make a story, have the dungeon master who's kind of like the narrator, and then the players are like the main characters. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a DM, as a dungeon master, you need to know how to schedule five, six people figure out when their times are going to work. You're going to have to read through a bunch of character uh, backstory. You gotta, you have to be a storyteller because you're creating this story and you're weaving in their stuff. You, you, and the best part, my favorite part is when you're actually playing, the players are, are humans. It's not a video game where there's like a set script or mm-hmm. you can go here, you can go there. Everything is so, um, anything can happen, right? It's people, they're unpredictable. And you the dungeon master have some idea of what the story is going to be. And then your player, you say maybe uh, the, the secret treasure is in the orphanage or whatever. And the players decide we're going to set the orphanage on fire. Yeah. Hmm, what do you do? What do you do now? Tell me <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> you gotta think on the fly. You have to, okay, cool. How do we um, switch and, and, and keep the, the, the story flowing and keep a poker face. So they don't know how much you've, they've screwed you over. Mm-hmm. So there's so many skills that I think, we have that aren't necessarily they don't look like they're connected to stuff that are marketable or useful skills but i swear if you look carefully at the things that you do and the things that you like there's something in there that can make you money yeah like the improvisational skill set is is super useful in so many different fields like i said that's what i use in sales you know being able to react to whatever it is they're telling me saying like oh this is why this doesn't work for us i'm like well actually here's why it would work for you because of that, right? You think this doesn't apply in this situation, but it actually does uh, as well as these other situations. And being able to react like that is super, super important in sales because if you're trying to sell someone a product, like at least in, in, in my case of sales, like it's different if you're working at like a car dealership, the people are coming to you trying to buy a car. In my case, I was going to businesses trying to sell them advertising. So they're not asking me to show up and sell them something. I'm bothering them essentially and trying to get them to buy something. So they're already, you know, at best neutral on me and I'm having to, you know, swing things around in my favor. Uh, But more often than not, like they're annoyed that I'm there bothering them. I have to get in there, make an amazing first impression and then sell them on a product within like 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and the entire time they're there telling me why it won't work, why they don't need it, how I'm wasting their time. Being able to react to all of their objections was something I had to learn extremely quickly 
in order to succeed in that in that career. And you know, I I still use that to this day, arguing with uh, some of the people I work with now uh, when they tell me that we don't need to do specific things or make specific content for social media or you know things like that. Yeah, people skills. People skills can translate to every every uh, people and um, what is it? Improvisational skills yeah. translate to so many so many different types of jobs, right? Even if you're not necessarily uh, direct sales, right? Even if you're like in the IT room and you're coding, whatever, you still need to justify kind of like the decisions that you've made mm-hmm. to maybe your team members or present this thing in. Oh, okay, I understand why you are saying that we need to do this. So. Um, you know, like th- these are big things that you need to pick up and what you, um, the whole sales thing, it's, it's <laughs> sales is so, cause you know, they don't want you, yeah. you know, this guy has, oh, you're the fifth guy that's called me today. What do you exactly. want to sell me now, sir? So it's, it's, um, it's a bit of an uphill battle. So if you don't come at it from a humanistic approach and come from just like stats and numbers and facts, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll never get um through the door one of the worst things about working in sales too is like the approach a lot of the educational systems is in at work i've it is i don't know if i've ever heard the same phrase more often in, in sales than having anything else like the thing i've I heard so many times and i still hear it to this day because we work with like sales consultants and stuff like that with some of our other employees uh it's uh like if you're trying to like look for a course on like sales like just a general sales course it'll be like sales for people who hate sales and I've heard that phrase so many times. It is the most annoying thing ever. It's like, if you hate sales, you shouldn't be working what? in sales. Like it, It's like, you're not going to do very well. If, if you show up and you yeah. hate sales and you're trying to sell someone on something, they're going to see right through you. It's, it's, the, it's the worst sales which I've ever heard. Careers for people who hate working. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> It's like like military jobs for people who hate following orders. It's like, uh, Mm. (laughs) recipe for failure. (laughs) Uh, How to be a professor when you hate students. It's like, bro. (laughs) Tips for moms and dads who hate children. Oh, okay. All right. This might not be a great idea. Oh, yeah. I think you need to rethink some things there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, that was the most frustrating thing to me is like, they're messaging the entire there. I don't think there was a single, like we had, we took like basic like training sessions once or twice a year, maybe at that job, maybe three times. Yes. I don't remember exactly. It was varied, but it was always, a lot of times it's like refresher courses and like, here's like, you know, what's going on. Some, you know, reminders of like, you know, ways we can make sales or whatever, uh, different techniques. And then sometimes they'd be like, here's, you know, new advertising opportunities on, you know, like, facebook or whatever twitter or uh i'm trying to remember what it wasn't tiktok tiktok wasn't popular enough at the time i guess it was snapchat maybe or something i really don't remember there's there's some social media platforms they were trying to like get us really involved in and the entire time they're like you know you gotta advertise people who don't want to be advertised to and you know this is sales for people who hate sales and i'm just sitting there the whole time like oh geez this is, <laughs> this is just the worst like this why is this the approach like why are we all supposed to hate our jobs and yet still focus on like this is the worst taglines i've ever heard terrible yeah absolutely terrible but yeah like uh going back to what you said before about like using 
everything available to you, like your skill set to decide on podcasting as like the medium in which you wanted to proceed with your show on. That was something I struggled with early on uh, with Dead Just Productions particularly. I mean, I've been doing YouTube since 2008, 2007-ish. Wow. Uh, I've been doing podcasts since then. You know, I've, I've tried all sorts of different things. This is the first time I've had it all kind of under one banner. Uh, and I mean, if you look at our content release schedule, you can see how that's worked out for me. <laughs> Being uh, <laughs> working full-time, working side jobs, being a, a caregiver to family members and then being able to do this on the side. Obviously my schedule has not worked in my favor, but I mean, being able being having that like background of like, okay, I know how to, you know, record YouTube videos. I have like some experience editing, uh, you know, being able to record the podcast, the podcast is the easiest thing for me to do for the record. It, it, I sit here and we just talk for a while and then I edit it down. Like it is, it's so much easier editing a podcast than a video. Um, but being able to do that, um, you know, being able to do like the, the Twitch streaming and stuff like that, it, it's all little skills you pick up over time. Um, but at the same time, it's the information to succeed in them is available readily all over the internet. The problem with mm-hmm. social mm-hmm. media and content creation is it's just so overly saturated the difficulty is not making the content. It's having your content stand out amongst the rest of the world. Essentially, everybody has content creation. Platforms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's big. People are, are everybody's flooding in and it's very difficult, even for me, like trying to figure out how to how I stand out and hopefully make a difference make some kind of splash it's mm-hmm. it's it's hard but i i still feel like there's i think that also should be part of like the the learning process uh like a thing to add to your to your your repertoire is what what makes you stand out mm-hmm. i think a lot of people just start i think when we first started our little youtube channel we didn't think too hard about like you know why why us what what yeah. makes us different we just you know we just went in and uh, i think it was more of like a fun little project to keep ourselves busy but Mm -hmm. that was something that i really sat down and i'm still refining every now and then i go back and think how what's my positioning how do we better um you know appear for our potential listeners and one thing i do like about podcasts is that ease because with uh videos you know you have to worry about what you look like you have to worry about lighting you have to worry Mm -hmm. about color grading and exposure and all of these things and then audio on top of that Whereas, you know, like you said, we sit down, we do a little chatty chit chat and we're done. We go off, yeah. we just need to trim that down. Mm-hmm. What is hard though, is the marketing. Yeah. Marketing podcast is hell. <laughs> it is so hard. <laughs> I'm dying. Like I, said, I'm I, think dying. I, have, I, I think that's the one place I have an advantage over a lot of podcasters. It's like I have a mm. marketing advertising background. It's literally what I do full time. So like being able to get mm-hmm. my podcast in front of people isn't necessarily difficult. But managing everything is, you know, like my mm-hmm. biggest, the biggest hurdle I have in front of me in life in general right now is just time. Like I have yeah. so little free time. It it absolutely sucks <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest, but I'm, I do what I can to make it work. Like I said, I think uh, I'm working my ass off now, but in a year's time, because of that, I'm going to have a ton of extra free time to focus on the things that I, I'm passionate about. And uh, it'll be a, 
would be a lot easier. I also think a lot of it has what, to do with eating that work time? ethic. I think, I think there's not just, I, I've mentioned this a lot on the show. There's a lot of people out there who think that all you like this, the social media and content creation side of things, I think they feel like they can just upload whatever and it's good enough. You know, yeah. like why aren't people paying attention to me? It's like, well, what are you <laughs> doing that's better than the people who already do that? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you have to be like, if you want to make this like your lifestyle and your, in your career, you have to treat it that way. Right. Like you, you can't spend an hour a week making content and expecting that to be like a full-time job paying you tons of money. Cause that's just not how it works. Uh, like you see these top people. I mean, you look at like the Logan Paul, uh, you know, Mr. Beast, uh, KSI. The KSI, yeah. Like PewDiePie, like even now, like, Mr. Beast, like, I don't know how many, like, how much effort. I don't follow him really. I just know he's popular. I know, I know enough about him. Don't get me wrong, but like, I don't watch his videos. Uh, I hear my little brother talking about him all the time, which is kind of weird. But you know, he, I'm sure he still works his ass off to put all this stuff out, schedule it, get it all put together. Um, and even more so before he blew up the way he has now. I mean, this guy is treating it like it's a full-time job and and some then some on top of that. And people are trying to copy him by putting in like 5% of the work and they wonder why they fail. Like, of course, like this guy's working 15 times harder than you are. Of course, he's going to succeed more than you. Like, why wouldn't he? He's, he's earned mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah, Mr. Beast works hard. Yeah. I I watched one or two. I don't watch his videos particularly or at all, actually. Yeah, I'm not really. But I do watch. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but I do watch his interviews. Um, yeah. a couple of interviews, just you know, because he's because of how good he is at his, you know, at his craft yeah. and all the 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 work he puts in will put you. You'll feel insecure about what you're doing when you listen to how much effort he puts in. Yeah. But also, you the, you know, like there's some things that you can really pick up. And that's, I think that's the thing that I've been trying to do a lot is like learning from people who are better than me, yeah. uh, which is a lot of people, uh, learning from people who are better than me and, and seeing what can I, uh, what can I pick up here? And what you, what you pointed out is very important is that when you're doing something, especially, I mean, things in general, mm-hmm. but especially if you're doing something unconventional creative you know a bit a bit a bit risky mm-hmm. you have to attack it with a different type of energy because yeah. of how difficult and the resistance that you're going to be facing yeah like when i build my house i don't want the people that are going to come in and be able to build it in a day i want the people that are going to put the time in to make <laughs> it like nice and safe like mm-hmm, if I show up and they're like, yeah, we got it done today. And I walk up and like the door falls off while I'm walking up the front steps as they crumble under my feet. You know, <laughs> I get what I pay for. <laughs> yes. I love that phrase. You get what you pay for yeah. guys, honestly. And you get what you, the work, what you get back is, you know, based on how much effort you put into it, any particular project or, or job. Mm. Uh, it's, I do get frustrated uh, because, you know, like I said, like what I do is I'm, you know, I work in social media and content creation and marketing, and it is frustrating watching all these, uh, like businesses I work with have like moderately successful YouTube channels and social media platforms that I'm like behind. And then like my own personal ones, I just don't have the time to focus on them as much. Mm-hmm. And so they're not as successful. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn mm-hmm. 
doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird curse when yeah. you when you do social media. Oftentimes, your own social media is like the worst. Yeah. It's appalling. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. They're not like making money really on their YouTube yeah. channels or anything, but like they're getting more views because they're getting like I'm sitting down and I'm putting like hours worth of editing into them. Yeah, I'm making the thumbnails and everything like that. And then meanwhile, I get home and I'm like, oh, I got to chop down these clips from the stream real quick and just upload them. Fuck the thumbnail. I don't have time to make a thumbnail. Mm-hmm. And it, it just all gets away from me. And I'm just like, damn, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> oh, this is so annoying. I, hey, but at least you're doing your work. You yeah. Know? That's... <laughs> it was fun. Like, I, we started a, for the one company I work for, is like, can we just make like a Reddit account and see how that works? I'm like, yeah, sure. The mm-hmm. first post I made for them was like uh, some generic thing. Like it's just a standard post like, oh, here's what we made. And I posted it on a like a small subreddit of like 5,000 people maybe on the subreddit. I don't remember exactly. It's not one I would normally yeah. be on. And I posted yeah, yeah. and it get it got like 4,000 upvotes. They got like a number of like awards and like Reddit Ooh. gold and stuff. I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Like at least it's on Reddit. I'm me? like, I'm like, I don't even, I don't care. Like Reddit is, there's nothing to be gained on Reddit as far as like monetary value goes in the sense of like just posting content. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was like, man, oh man, like if I if I just had all this free time to focus on my own content, it'd be a lot different. <laughs> yeah, but it's not stable. This is the problem. Like we saw that during COVID. Like I, you know, I focused on our Twitch channel a lot during COVID. I worked eight or nine hours a day, seven days a week on our Twitch channel during COVID. And it took off. We hit uh, affiliate in like a week and a half, two weeks. We hit partner over from June to October, whatever that time frame is. Mm -mm. Five months, six months, whatever it amounts to in the end. Uh, We hit partner. I'm like, this has been wildly successful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most There's so many people that don't even hit affiliate on there let alone partner. And, 100%. And I was like, this is awesome. But how long is this going to hold up, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. I could just not go back to work, but this is not enough money to sustain us at all, my girlfriend and I at all. Like, there's no way I need to, like, do something at work. But, like, what am I going to do? And I ended up going back to the office. And because of that, our Twitch channel just died off completely because I don't have the... Like I said, I, I, I reserve, like, for, like creating my own content, I usually keep like three hours, four hours a week, maybe at most. That includes the hour and a half I book for recording the podcast. That includes like the two hours I spend editing it roughly. I'm like, that gives me an hour. That is not enough time to stream on Twitch. Like if you want to be, if you want to get any sort of growth on Twitch, you have to be streaming like three or four times a week for like four or five hours. Like there's just no other way. To, to get actual yeah. growth on there. I'm like, I don't have that available to me at this time. How long, how long do you say would you, would you spend on, let's say one client in a week? Uh, it depends on what they're doing. Like as it is now, I have for this outside of my actual full-time job, this is my personal freelance work right now. I have about 83 clients depending on whether or not a couple of them decide to come back or not. A lot of that is, me just spending 30 minutes with them a week going over like their advertising or like their website, whatever it is that we've been working on with them. It varies from person to person. Uh, 
And I just sit down with them for the 30 minutes. I go, okay, here's where like all the numbers are at. Here's what we're looking at. Uh, do you like, here are some opportunities we can change, try something different. Here's, you know, like what's worked. Here's what's not. We can view like where people are clicking, like what's been successful and what hasn't been. And so like, we'll take that time, like five minutes, just going over like, like stats wise, what everything looks like. And the remaining 25 minutes is here are the opportunities we can go after. Here's, you know, budget wise, what you've offered, like what you want to work with. Uh, here's what I think the budget could be like higher or lower, depending on what we want to focus on. And I just present them the different opportunities and we just chat about like what their plans are for their business and what they want to do. And so I don't talk to all of these people every week. Don't get me wrong. Like I scheduled this out uh, over the course of the month. Um, so I, I, you know, it's a tight schedule a lot of times. And then I keep my weekends completely open generally as, as far as like that goes. Like I obviously have the podcast recordings and, uh, you know, a lot of these people, there's, I want to say like 18 or 19 people that it's just an email. Like I don't even have to like spend the time getting back to them. Uh, and then a lot of people where it's like, Hey, we don't really want to have the call this week. Uh, just send me like the stats and we'll go back over this another time. So it, it varies a lot uh, as far as like how yeah. much time gets invested into it. But uh, I make it a point to at least contact every single person once a week, even if we only have like a 30 minute call every month, once a month. I mean, yeah. But the reason I'm yeah. asking um, is because a, a thing that I, I think I came across is when people are in the position, similar position to you, mm -hmm. where it's like you provide a certain service or you do something, yeah. but that same thing, you know, you kind of struggle with yourself. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've heard a lot of people do is they, um, they treat themselves like a client. So they like mm. schedule out, yeah. you know, I'm going to meet with myself uh, at this time and this is the agenda and and this is what we're going to talk about and this is how much work I need to do for myself. Mm. And of course it becomes hard because, you know, you might be, I guess, losing out on uh, scheduling time for other clients. And I, I've heard some people just like raise their prices a little bit so mm. that, I mean, even if there's some drop off with the clients, you yeah. still kind of make it up with the ones that stay. Mm -hmm. But I think the major thing that people struggle with, I think, is, is you know, you almost you don't take yourself seriously because you can negotiate yourself out of it. You go, sure. ah, yeah. I'll do it tomorrow. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. You know, or maybe you struggle. Um, I'm not sure exactly what you do, but if let's say you are. Uh, I was going to say take over to, pro so, to provide yeah. some information. Part of yeah. why I don't spend as much time on my content is because I'll I'll just use a hypothetical client. Like I mean, it, this is this could be a real example, but they I'll work with them and let's say they just have like a small mom and pop like retail store, right? Sure. And we're handing like I'm working on their social media for them. They're supplying me like all the pictures and stuff or like short little videos. So they're the ones mm -hmm. taking the time to create the content. I'm just mm -hmm. editing it. Mm -hmm. Whereas on my end, if for my own stuff, I'm the one that's also going to have to put in the effort of taking the time to yeah. create, to get all the content and create it and then also edit it. So it's just, it's not, it wouldn't be such a big deal if all I had to do is edit my content. But obviously yeah. I'm the one that's going to have to record all of it and everything like that too. So like if I wanted to yeah. put in the, the full time and effort required, for like YouTube videos, for example, like in reality, that's like two hours of recording time 
cut down to like 15, 20 minutes of video mm-hmm. to my standards mm-hmm. for what I actually want to do. Mm-hmm. So like it is a huge time investment on my end to, to be able yeah. to create the, the level of content that I would want to do, which is why I don't focus on it as much because in the end it's, mm-hmm. it's far more profitable for me to, you know, work with other clients and it's a lot, yeah. it's a lot more efficient as far as like, you know, profit per, you know, minute spent on this particular project. Mm, 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 mm. Ideally, that's why you're setting yourself. ideally if the money yeah, was there, like, like I said, it, it sounds kind of, you know, selfish, or I guess, I don't know if it's selfish or the word, but like it does come down to the money. Cause at the end of the day, I need to make the money to pay my bills, to support mm-hmm. my, you know, my lifestyle, my girlfriend's lifestyle, take care of the people around me. That's way more important to me than being able to work on a passion project. That's just not quite there yet. Like the time will come. I'm working on the skill sets. I'm setting myself up for the success in the long run. I'd rather have the skeleton of it be there than, you know, rush into it when I'm not ready and have it all fall down around me. Like I'm building it up steadily as opposed to jumping headfirst and taking too much of a risk. I think it's calculated. It's a calculated risk as opposed to just a risk. You know, you've seen, Yeah, I'm sure we've all seen people who, quit their jobs to start doing YouTube or Twitch streaming or whatever. And then it doesn't work out. You know, they're like, Oh, I went for it. And it wasn't there. It's like a lot of times the people that fail like that are the ones who have zero following going into it. And they quit their job while they have no followers thinking that just because they're spending a lot of time on it, it's going to work out. The The best video I've ever seen of this. I know I've mentioned this on the show before. The best one I've seen is the guy sitting there crying by best. I don't mean it's funnier. Uh, good in any way like i feel terrible for the guy but it's the best example of it where it's him sitting there crying on camera talking about how like people shouldn't do twitch streaming because it doesn't work out he's crying there, like all you know devastated by it not working out because he quit his job and everything to do it and he has no money his girlfriend is literally packing up her bags behind him leaving him because of it crazy and it's like yeah it's like it was a terrible decision on his part like i get why he went for it like he, he knew he was going to be a risk going into it, but he thought he could make it work and it didn't work out. Like, I understand from my point of view, I'm like, I could probably have like some success on our Twitch channel. I'm sure of it. We've had it before. We could do it again. Uh, I'd have the time to like invest in, you know, YouTube content, everything like that. But the stability is not there. And if it doesn't work out, how does that look on me where I just, I'm the guy that just quits my job out of the blue to take a huge risk on something that's far from guaranteed, you know, I would much rather just do what I did and take the pay cut in order to provide myself a little bit more happiness and availability to focus on the things I care about while still having that stability. I don't know. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think it's, I mean, it goes back to kind of what we mentioned is that, you know, if you're playing the unconventional game, you have to be smart with how you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So rather than like the example that you gave of the the guy who kind of lost everything on Twitch or, you know, failed with Twitch, that's, that's a terrible idea. Like it's, it's, it's super exciting. He already had a following. Like, don't like, I get why he did it, but Mm -hmm. you cannot, like, it's, it's absolutely a fool's errand to think you can start from nothing and just have immediate success that dwarfs Mm -hmm. like what you had at a a real quote unquote real job. That's just not how the real world works. 
right? Like why you have to ask yourself, all right, why would people give me money to do this? And it's like, if you don't have like a realistic answer for that, that makes sense. That's actually going to happen. It's not like a good like plan, you know? I think people get too excited with all the content out there of like chase your dream, yeah. jump, take the leap and all of that stuff. And it's, it's, I mean, it's nice to say for the few people that maybe that worked that 1% that they did take that wild mm-hmm. leap and everything worked out. But in, in the real world, you have to, you have to build bridges. You know, you don't just jump, yeah. you, you, you build some kind of safety. So if you're leaving your job, like let's say you are leaving your job, you don't have to like, you know, make a whole thing, quitting, you know, tossing tables, insulting your boss. <laughs> What if you go back? You know what I mean? I'm what if it doesn't work out? Bigger than any of you. Fuck you. <laughs> Spitting on the ground as you leave. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you can leave in a respectful, you know, way just in mm-hmm. case, hey, you know, I might come back. Uh, while you're working, before you go and do that thing, like you quit or you take that pay cut, you know, you can have some runway, like three, four, five months, yeah. uh, you know, safety net for in case it doesn't work out during that period when we're going back to, I guess, job hunting, you can find a way. Or with the Twitch, building the audience while you're working, right? Have some people who know, like, and trust you um, before you now make that crazy leap because now you know that, oh, all these people are going to be there or at least a a good amount of these people are going to be there as well. And that's maybe the danger that a lot of people fall into. So, yeah, I think what you're doing is really smart. You know, where you're weighing your options and you're building up a little something. You, I think you said in a year is when you feel like you'll be a bit more free. Yeah. 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 I think part of it too is like the way social media has warped people's reality. Like they've, they see a lot of these people on like Instagram or whatever, living these lavish lifestyles, not realizing that they're being paid to do that. And it's not their everyday life like this, like, oh, I'm in like the Bahamas, you know, just, I love visiting the Bahamas. And it's like, okay, well, they're being paid to be there to promote these products. Like they don't get, this is a huge thing for them as well. Like they're not going to be able to do this again anytime soon. Or like, you know, social media influencers on their private jet where in reality it's just a a set photo. Like there's, you can literally pay, I forget what it is, like a thousand dollars and you get to take photos on like a fake private jet essentially. And people see this and are like, oh, this is real. Like, and you know, then you have the, this is, this is where I think it crosses to like the, uh, irresponsible side of things where like a lot of these influencers quote unquote will say like, Oh, you know, I just went for it. You know, I put, you know, I put time into it and it worked out for me. I, you know, I said, I'm not interested in making money for other people anymore. I just went for it. And it, it's being very disingenuous to an extent because mm-hmm. like they spent a lot of time building up the following in advance and they're not properly telling their audience like how much actually goes into it. And so like, idiots like my sister think that they can be social media people when she has absolutely (laughs) no training in it. She has no understanding of like what actually it takes to succeed in it. You know, all the thought, the stuff that goes into setup, like lighting, you know, the, the cinema, like the, you know, photography side of stuff, like every little aspect that goes into it, there's no thought being given to that because they don't understand all the stuff being put into it. You see photos of people like, Oh, uh, here's like a, you know, this product, it's just a face, a face wash and I'm not using, I'm not wearing any makeup or whatever. And then people see this and like, Oh my God, look how good they look. I'm going to buy these products. But in reality, it's like, they're still using filters on the photo. It's photoshopped to hell and back. You know, the lighting is there, you know, the, the camera settings are there. And like, there's so they much just look good yeah. in general. Yeah. That too. Yeah. It's like, Oh, 
Imagine this, <laughs> a person who's already a 10 out of 10, you know, looks good on camera after being edited. Like, of course. Uh, it, yeah, it's just, it's so much of social media is just fake to begin with. And then they they continue to hide this, the fact of like all the editing on top of that, you know, mm. it misleads people into thinking like, oh, I can just start doing this and it'll be easy. And it's not. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, you might've seen it as well. Like there's, I've seen countless videos where it's like literally like women in like their fifties and sixties, uh, who look like they're 50 and 60 without trying not mm-hmm. to be rude. But like, you know, like <laughs> as you get older, you know, your skin sags, like their face, you know, has like wrinkles and yeah. stuff and it's them like applying makeup in, and it looks odd, right? It looks odd in person because you're not applying it like eyeshadow, like where you think it would go. You're putting it like on your mm. cheeks and stuff. They're applying it and it looks strange. And then they turn the camera and the lights on and it makes them look like they're in their 20s. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I think you know what yeah, I'm referring yeah, to. Yeah, I've seen that. Stuff seen like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, and so, or that, and they like, they do, I forget what the, they call it. It's like the makeup on their chest to make it seem like they have bigger boobs than they actually have. Like that's another popular thing. That's apparently yeah. relatively easy to do if you know how to do it. It's like you have all this stuff going into it where it's like, oh, look at this. This young woman has like made it. It's like this is a woman in her 60s doing this for fun at this point. But she's tricking you into thinking she's like in her 20s or 30s. And it's like stuff like that where it's like social media is so disingenuous and fake. But people don't. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about with like school where people don't know how to like do like the taxes and things like that. Like they have no life skills. A lot of it is just critical thinking skills where they don't know how to like look through, look at something and be like, Oh, well this doesn't make sense. How about I investigate? Like, I feel like so many people lack that particular skill where it's, they miss so many obvious things that should be red flags or whatever, but they just, they don't see it. It just goes right over their head. Mm -mm. And you know, the thing with, with social media, um, that I think a lot of people don't realize is that the that the things that you're seeing mm-hmm. are like the, the the top one percent. So the the guys yeah. who've um, made it are the only ones that you're really going to be. So you're not going to be seeing Jim Jack and Jilly who's figuring things out yeah. like I, I failed my business unless maybe it gets picked up by some major news network or someone is like trolling them or like hey mm-hmm. making fun or whatever. Most of the time, nine times out of ten, it's going to be the people who have mastered the art yes. of social media algorithm and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now when you're scrolling, all you're seeing is these people and you think everybody on Instagram is like that. Yes, yeah. And it's like, it's, it's so damaging to people's like, one, their self-esteem and also their expectations for what they can do or what's possible mm-hmm. uh, because that's all they're seeing. But I, there, there needs to be, like you said, the critical thinking when it comes to social media. And the, the tough thing is like, it's so new. Like social media is such an, like an alien. It's so mm-hmm. new. Like it's really, it just showed up like seconds ago, almost yeah. in the grand history of like the world and human relations and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that I think that's a skill that I, it's probably going to take a while, if at all, it's going to take a long time before people catch up and say, this is something we need to teach people how to navigate properly. And it should be a, a standard practice of yeah. 
what what is actually going down how does internet work what is this okay this is the algorithm this is a paid ad this is i don't know bots uh, that's what i was going to say is navigating like advertising like what is and isn't advertising that's one of the things i talk to people mm-hmm. about all the time not as just like my job but just in general like my little brother i've tried to hammer it home to him so much uh whenever we go to visit them like i'm like you're like mr beast again as an example like we had to sit there and talk to him for like 30 minutes on how like so much of what Mr. Beast does is advertising. And he's like, no, it's just a video. I'm like, what does it start out with? And he's like, I click on a, a random Mr. Beast video. And it's like, hey, Mr. Beast, don't forget you can get our chocolate bars, whatever, you know, go check out our website for merch. I'm like, that's advertising. And he's like, oh, it's just part of the video. I'm like, yeah, but it's ads. Like there, when, uh, when I was working in sales, we took courses on like native advertising and things like that. And just how to, you hide the fact that it's ads, right? That's a huge mm-hmm. part of advertising in general is hiding the fact that it's an ad, making it look like it's just someone making a post or whatever. And it's like, oh, you know, found this today. Like, this is pretty neat. And uh, or like, you can you can pay to have like newspapers or like online blogs or whatever post your, your ad on there for you. It's like, if I'm selling uh, a backpack, right? It's back to school time now. I could go on, you know, you know, whatever, you know, back to school blog and have them be like, all right, here, I want you to write an article on like why it's important to have like a backpack with good straps on it. So it supports your back. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're carrying all these books around. You're, you know, trying to, you know, you're going up and down stairs in school, whatever. You want to make sure your backpack has good support straps. So your kid's not hurting their back, you know, throughout the day. Uh, and a good example of a good backpack would be the Dead Just Productions backpack. You know, the support straps on this backpack are extra supportive. Your kid's not going to hurt their back. And it's like, oh, cool. This is a cool article by this company. I trust this this company. They write a lot of good articles. That whole thing is an ad, though, for the Dead Just Productions backpack. But people, mm-hmm. it reads like it's just like a supportive blog post. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's native advertising. But people don't realize it because it doesn't look like an ad where it's like, buy now, you know. And like mm-hmm. stuff like that, people miss it so, so often. Um, especially with the way Google works too. Uh, like I, there's a lot of times where I'm trying to find specific products to like test them out. Uh, like one of the things that we do is uh, we mm-hmm. use AI for like outreach. So I won't give any shout outs here, but like what they do essentially is uh, I, I went through like 15 to 20 different products and uh, they will... I'll type in like industries I'm looking to target and they will provide me with like the contact information essentially for the decision makers, like the CEO or the sales, the lead salesperson, yeah. whatever. And so I can reach out to them directly. And it's kind of creepy, honestly, how it works, but it's effective <laughs> for business between us. Uh, so it works out well. But when I'm trying to like find these, I'm like, I'll, I'll go into Google and type in like best out- outreach programs. And like, you'll get like the top four to six results are sponsored, right? Sponsored, yeah. But I, I'll go below that and it's like, oh, our top 10 outreach programs. I'm like, cool, click on it. And it, I read through it and I pay no attention to the top of the website at first because I'm just trying to find the information quickly for the time. And it's like, oh, the number, you know, one and two, it's like, you know, option one, option two. It's like, option one is good. Here's why option two is better. I'm like, okay, you know, outreach.ai or whatever. And I look at the top of the page and the website I'm on is outreach.ai. 
and they've but, written yeah. an article about all these other <laughs> options, but why theirs is better. You know what I mean? And so like, it's stuff like that that people don't read or pay attention to and they don't realize how much of social media is advertisement that's mm-hmm. made to look like it's not advertisements. I think when you're in the marketing game, mm-hmm. you you really start to see all the tricks. It's I, horrifying exact... how much data you have on people and how easy it is to get Dude, it. It's crazy. It, would, it, it literally it will crazy. take me 15 seconds to get the contact data for 100,000 people. It's horrifying mm. how easy it is to get. Mm. I get. I can get their email address. I can get their company name, their direct phone number, their fax number, their address. You know, it's it's horrifying. And mm-hmm. so, like, part of it is people willingly give it up for the smallest stuff. Yeah. Oh, enter your email address and phone number to enter a contest to win, you know, whatever, $100 gift card to this. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Facebook. Every bit of data you enter into Facebook is getting sold all the time to everybody. Uh, it mm-hmm. it's terrifying. I mean, just, those products that you sign up for, the terms and conditions, click agree. Yeah. Ooh, nobody reads those. Well, it's nine hundred pages. And conditions? It's made oh. to prevent you. It's made yeah. to like push you yeah. off from reading it. Like you, you go to Facebook. Every you know, every bit of information you enter about yourself, even on the back end your name, phone number, email address, if you enter your actual address, you know, every little bit, they're selling that right out the get-go. Every photo you upload, they're selling that shit off super quickly as well. Like, it is all getting sent out there and you're just providing them a product for free and they're making a ton of money off Mm -hmm. of you and they have to do literally nothing but host it on their platform. That's it. Yep. It's, it's... And then sell ads on their own platform as well. It's, 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 it's crazy. But, you know, we, I mean, as much as like there's like very much the dark side of all of this stuff, I think it's also uh, useful for people who are doing something that's actually beneficial, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you've created some kind of product that is, I don't know, it it helps elderly people who have back issues, right? It's the new cane yeah, the that is production's more back ergonomic. Back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dead justice, but like knowing how to get because like as we uh, this is the thing i think that has been happening as we've gone as we've kind of advanced as people is like we hate ads people hate mm-hmm. ads people hate to be sold to whether that's like you coming to the door knocking to sell vacuums mm-hmm. or that billboard or that that ad that is going to you know pop up in your instagram feed that you will 100 percent scroll by without even thinking twice about because you saw that little sponsored banner at the bottom there yeah. and you're like this is worthless um so knowing you making a, a product or something that is actually useful, you need to know that there's going to be people who are going to resist your stuff if it comes off super salesy. Mm-hmm. And you need to know how to present yourself in a very natural, authentic, real way. No, no, no BS and no yeah. smoke and mirrors that some of these other guys come, you know, for false promises and all these big offers that they never actually deliver on. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, 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 I mean, marketing can be a tool for, evil but it can also be a tool for good mm-hmm. um if you use it right and if the thing that you're selling actually does the thing that it says that it does yeah it like i said there's a very fine line there for how it's used uh, I, I just think one of the biggest problems we have right now is like i said the critical thinking skill in people mm-hmm. not being able to identify like how they're being used uh how they're being marketed to uh like not knowing how to identify red flags uh, not seeing through like the fake, the obvious like 
in my mind, the obvious fake things in social media and marketing and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but obviously a lot of the problems come from these companies know that like, all right, these are the obvious things to point to. How do we avoid it? And how do we make it seem like how it's real hide? when it's not? Mm-hmm. Right. It's, mm-hmm. there's a, and one of these parties has a lot more money than the other, right? Mm-hmm. You know, multi-million dollar company is going to have a lot more resources available to them to fake something than the random individual just trying to mm-hmm. check up on what their friends are doing on Facebook. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, it's interesting. It's super interesting to me to watch just how easy it's been for a lot of people to make so much money off of people. Uh, yeah. Just on the dumbest stuff. I mean, I won't dive into it because we'll, we'll have to wrap up here soon anyway. But I mean, just like yeah. political stuff. You know, like there's, mm, 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 there mm. has been so m- billions of dollars have been made selling like anti-Trump, anti-Biden stuff here. Uh, mm, you know, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever have you. Like they, we, <laughs> a little side thing. We, uh, Klaus and I, my, my part-time co-host here, he and I have tried on multiple times to profit off of some of these things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never worked out for us. We get, I don't, we've been very unfortunate in having some of our stuff get taken down and then watch as like other people have done literally the exact same thing and made money off of it. It's been very frustrating yeah. to us. Uh, but yeah, it like stuff like that, like people get super passionate about politics and sports. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, those are huge markets to make a ton of money off of things, especially if you're like the first to the game. Like if, uh, if let's say some random politician comes out and says something inflammatory that people hate, uh, immediately you just throw up a t-shirt with their face behind prison bars and go like politician <laughs> for prison 2024 and people are going to buy it because they hate that. Yeah. I mean, that's what they did with, you know, Trump, you know, with his mugshot being released. That's what they do with Biden all the time. You know, Biden for prison, mm-hmm. like whatever, whatever the current thing people are mad or happy about, it just so many people just throwing up very quick, poorly made t-shirts, hats, mugs, whatever, making some quick money. Even if they only make a thousand dollars on it, that's a thousand dollars they made on five minutes of work mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just rinse and repeat over and over again. And people will buy it because they're passionate about politics. Um, yeah. Same thing with sports. It's, you know, it's like this team won the Super Bowl. uh, you know, pictures of like Tom Brady, you know, the whole deflate gate thing with the, which mm-hmm. I hate. I hate when they add the gate on the end of controversies. <laughs> it, tell me you don't know what Watergate was without telling me you don't know what it was. Um, but yeah, it, just stuff like that. Like just taking a popular, like not in a positive way, but just, you know, a controversial yeah. thing and trying to make money off of it quickly and you'll get money from it very quickly. <laughs> More often than not. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you, you being here and taking the time to chat for a bit. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can go to, to check out your stuff? Yeah, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Um, you guys can check me out on Instagram, uh, TikTok, a superpower playbook, Spotify, Apple, just all the major platforms. Um, superpower playbook. We, we talk about creativity, the creative process. Uh, learning, growing, and making a living doing the things that you love. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Really appreciate it. You guys can go check out deadjesterproductions.live. 
and go check out Liquid IV and Zencaster. Uh, they're both fantastic products. You can use code DJP15 and save a little bit on, on both of those. So thank you guys for, for listening. We'll see you next time.